This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, 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 everyone out there in the Laravel world. It is episode 186, and we are on the Laravel News Podcast. Welcome back. Michael, how's it going, my hello. friend? Going well. Um, sort of, I guess. You yeah. got the blue hair going on. The you got blue the hair. blue hair going on. Uh, you had like the red and green. No, sorry. You had the rainbow hair for a while mm-hmm. for Liv's birthday. Then you had the red and green hair for for uh, Christmas. Christmas. And now you've got blue hair, and you had messaged the other day. You said, I think I might have a problem. Yeah. Yeah, might have a problem. Just, uh, I don't know. It looks cool. They look like they've all looked good so the... far because I'm so so pale, yeah, so totally. everything just pops on my head. But um, yeah, it's uh, yep, mm-hmm. it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Although Ray Ray was saying to me, my wife was saying yesterday that she was thinking about cutting her hair because it's like down below like her butt now, and she's like, I said, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And she goes, yeah, but just to like the middle of my back. I'm like, what's the point of having hair that long? Because Seven days a week, she's got it tied up either in a ponytail or in like a bun uh, or something. Sure. I'm like, what? Why yeah. do you need it mm-hmm. to be that long? Yeah, yeah. Because all that happens yeah. <laughs> is like, there's just your hair everywhere, and it ends up like I'll be walking somewhere, and suddenly I've got a hair on me, and I'm like, is there a spider web on me that I just walked through or something? Like, it's hilarious. So yeah, she's like, well, why don't you just shave just, your hair? You know, like, you know. Mmm. Hey, there you go. I'm like, I'll do it, but not now, because like I just put color in my hair. You would. I totally would. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you totally would. I can see that being the case. Yeah, the shaved head with the beard and the and you know keep keep the beard going. You'd look like you'd look like uh you know working yeah. out. You look you look crazy like a crazy man. <laughs> hey everybody, uh, we wanted to uh, shout out Honey Badger, which is a sponsor of the show again this week. Error monitoring, tracking uh, your background jobs go missing, anything like that. Honey Badger is the thing that you're going to want to use in order to monitor all those amazing things, including failed job monitoring, which is pretty sweet as well. Honeybadger.io is where you can check them out. Uh, Star, Josh, and... Ooh, am I missing one? Ben. Star, Josh, and Ben. Sorry, Ben. Star, Josh, and Ben. They're great people. And so they've sponsored the show again this week. Thanks so much, Honey Badger. We're going to get right into it. We've got Laravel 10.1 released. And Michael, I'm guessing you had a chance to read it before the show, the show started. So I'm going to let you take this scheme. one. Let's do it. I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and take this one. Go ahead. First up, Peter Fox contributed the process input method that allows standard input to be passed to a process via the input method. The code result, so if we have process input, hello world, arrow, run, pb copy, the code results in hello world being passed to a standard input for the pb copy command. So this is if you're wanting to pass things from command line, If you, especially in testing, it's useful to be able to pass things in and make sure that they come out on the other side correctly. So thank you to Peter for that one. I'm not sure I understand that. I'm, hold on. Can we pause on that for one second? Process input method allows standard input to be passed to a process via the input method. So you say input hello world and then run pb copy and then the code results in hello world being passed to standard input for the... Okay, so it's like like hello world pipe pb copy? Exactly, yep, yep. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So hello world pipe pb copy. So if you did like grep or no, no, no. I suppose if you did like... You did an ls... Yeah, or PS. PS yep. Ox or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. PS Ox. And then you did run grep Laravel or PHP it. or something, right? Yeah. You know, whatever. Yep. Okay, cool. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. All right. I just needed a little bit of clarification on that. Thank you, Peter Fox. Looks great. Okay, keep going. The Laravel 10 major release included 
return types in user lane code, which included controller stubs. However, this has caused some confusion as Laravel controllers can return various types of data, be it array or a string or a view, depending on if you're you know, returning a blade view or you're returning a JSON response or whatever. There was a pull request that aimed to return the mix type to avoid errors in generated controllers in static analysis tools, but still provided types. However, eventually, this was basically just updated to remove all return types from controllers. So no matter what side of the fence you're on, whether you want to have fully typed controllers, whether you want them to be generic, whether you want to always return responses or JSON responses, the controllers are now, well, the controller stubs. So if you use the make artisan make controller, the stubs will now come with nothing as a return type and you can specify as needed if that is what you want to do. Uh, you can also customize your stubs if you want to have your own set of uh, controller stubs that you want to control. If you're in an API application, for example, I, I only have API, I don't have any UI. So my expectation is that the response is always going to be response. a JSON response. So we would update our yeah. controller stubs to always return JSON response. Entirely up to you how you sure. want to go, whichever side of the fence you sit on. I'm glad that we didn't end up with mixed because mix, mixed is kind of the same. It's as kind of like no you might as well not up. even have it. Right. Yeah. And it's, exactly. better, it's better to have nothing and to optionally add it or, or to update your stubs if you want um, than it is to put mixed and just accept anything because it, like, it doesn't really give you the type safety. Mixed is really good if yeah. you don't know, like more for, more for input where you don't know where the input is, but nine times out of 10, your controller is going to return one type of response, whether that's JSON or a yeah. view, right? Each method is only going to return once. Yeah. And I think it was sort of Pavilus talking about this a little bit. He's like, I mean... I typically don't return a response. I typically return a view. Right. Yeah. And so you know, he was like, and so and so what it what the what it came down to is it made it made people feel like they were doing it wrong if they weren't mm-hmm. using the response type that was in the stub. And they're like, am right. I doing this wrong? Am I am I supposed to be returning a response? I mean, what am, what's the problem here? Right. Yeah. And so that's why Taylor was just like, okay, let's just get this out of yeah. here. I mean, thought it was a good idea, but you know, but I do you know I do admire the courage to kind of put it out there and then pull it back, like. Good, good for them. Like they tried it out, they put it out there into mm-hmm. the world, and then Taylor listened to the community and was just like, you know what? We tried it, didn't seem to go as well as we wanted it to. That's fine. We'll pull it back. Yeah. People know it's there. You can do it in these different ways. So yeah. that's that's great. I think also there was like a little bit of conflict between the documentation and and like the code itself. So the code when the when the controller stubs came out, they returned a Illuminate HTTP response, but. A lot of the documentation, especially the the Blade documentation, says you can return view, whether that's using the view facade and doing view colon colon make or using the view global helper, that's returning a view. Now, that doesn't strictly return a response, but Laravel, because it is kind and good and does all this stuff for us, will take that view and it will render it into a response for us. But you still get like mm-hmm. that controller method is returning the wrong thing, even though the framework knows what to do with that to convert it to a response. So technically... You know, if you use response arrow view, that would have been fine because that would have returned a response with a content set to view, which is what ultimately happens. But the documentation is saying, you know, you can just return view. And so it makes sense that the controller stubs are updated to accommodate for that. And so that's that's where we've landed. And and we'll link to an article on Laravel News for customizing those stubs in Laravel if that's what you need to do in your application. But we've got the flexibility. We tried one way. Turns out it's probably more useful for people to choose their own adventure in that regard. Um, and w- whether that's you know adding your own types or having no types at all, that's up to you now. 
Um, so yeah, it was there was some good discussion around it. It was it was a lot like it was like a Friday thing that went through the weekend. So mm-hmm. it was good, you know, to have yeah. that conversation. And and it was nice that that Taylor ultimately decided to sort of let people decide what they want to do with it. So that's good. But yeah, and on that divergence, Gustavo Sabrino contributed adding the queue connection to the artisan queue monitor command. So this change allows users with more than one queue connection to display multiple connections in the same command. So you can use PHP artisan queue colon monitor. And previously you would have said, you know, Redis, and it would have shown you the Redis. Um, But this now allows you to go Redis colon events. So show me um, the Redis connection and the events queue, comma, database. So the database connection, colon, events, and then the events queue on the database connection. So it gives you a little bit more flexibility if you've got queues in different places or multiple connections that you need to, you know, monitor through that artisan command. But that brings us to the end of the notes on Laravel 10.1. We'll have the links to it all in the show notes. Indeed, indeed. And we are on to the news, my friends. Laravel Live UK 2023, the official Laravel conference for the UK, is coming to London. I was going to try and think of like uh, what uh, what would I would associate what song i would associate with london god save the king nowadays there there you go there you go so that one or london bridge is falling down and i think actually so you know that big clock tower Mm. thing right you know what's that called do you you know what that's called big ben in aha it is not big ben (laughs) big ben is the name of the bell well, there My you daughter go. Just told me that. The well, other day. yeah, that's what she said. She she got me the same way. She was like, "Hey, what's that big clock tower in London?" I was like, "Big Ben." She's like, "Nope, that's the name of the bell." And here's the crazy thing: I don't even know the name of the <laughs> clock tower. Not sure. Couldn't tell you. All I know is that Big Ben is the name of the bell, not the name of the clock tower. So there you go. But in the uh, imagery, the, the little clock, iconography, they have the Great Clock of Westminster in, at the north end of the Palace go. of Westminster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Big Ben is the bell inside. So there you go, folks. Now you know. Uh, but anyway. The uh, Laravel Live UK conference is coming to London for a two-day conference on June 22nd and 23rd in 2023. There's going to be hundreds of Laravel and PHP enthusiasts uh, there for inspirational talks, engaging networking, and amazing learning opportunities. So we've got three speakers that are already on the lineup. Nuno Maduro, Joe Dixon, and James Brooks, which all happen to be Laracon, uh, core, sorry, Laravel core team members. Uh, but they are accepting CF, uh, you know, they have a call for papers out right now. They're looking for Laravel-focused talks that can be directly applied to the Laravel ecosystem or related technical talks. So they have early bird tickets that are available right now. You can visit their website at laravellive.uk to learn more about the conference and the venue. You can also chat that uh, chat with them at Laravel Live UK on Twitter. You can follow that for future speaker announcements and news related to the conference. Should be a fun one. Man, I would love to go to something like this. And like, I swear, if I didn't have, you know... It sounds like your kind of conference. Oh, man. Dude, I'd love to go just to Just technical London. talks. Just great. Laravel talks. Just technical talks. Jake's just favorite kind of talks. talks. Those are my favorite. Although I would, you know, I think I said last time we were on with uh, North and South with Matt. Oh, man, I'm going to forget her name now. Sorry. Marge. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. From Titan. She had such a great talk last time at uh, Laracon Online. Soft talk and it was awesome. It, it was awesome. So go check that out if you haven't. That's Laravel Live UK. I know that it's not on here yet, but I wanted to talk really quickly about Laracon India. Yeah. What in the world was going on in India? Everything. Absolutely everything was going on. That was wild. And I say all that in a kind, good spirit. Like that, yeah. I mean this all in good ways. Like this is not like what was going on as like negative. This is 
very much positive. Mm-hmm. And everybody who was there said as much. Yeah. They were like, if you missed Laracon India this year, do not miss it next year. It was it was it felt like I was watching like a uh, soccer match, right? <laughs> like a football, football, right? Like everybody was so hyped to be there. So excited to see Taylor. So excited yeah. to see all the speakers. And like everybody was just running at like an 11. They had after party crazy dances where they were like carrying Taylor around in like a chair and everybody just going wild. It was incredible it's, to watch. It's and, and definitely it looked like it very, was so much fun. Yeah, it's definitely very culturally different to, you know, a US event or, you know, everyone's like really reserved to tech events, but like Laracon mm. yeah, India yeah, yeah. was was huge. The, yeah, as you say, the parties, the it was dancing. Huge. It's just yeah. like yeah. The, the culture. And it, it was because because it was a big cultural thing, there was lots of um, traditional dances, like cultural dances. So everyone knew all the moves and, and all of it. It was great to see all the speakers yeah, yeah. getting involved. Taylor yeah, was totally. in his element. Th- those of you who don't know, <laughs> like Taylor, Taylor's a bit of a dancer. He was getting right into it. So amazing. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, and also the venue did look really great. Like the, the, the spot where they actually had the talks and stuff was really great. They had 1200 speakers, uh, 1200 speak, 1200 attendees there or something wild like that. So like massive. What in the world? Crazy. Yeah, it was massive. They had a drone. They were flying in there getting footage. They had, um, they did this like candle lighting ceremony or something mm-hmm. at the beginning. They had this whole like chant thing they did for Taylor. It was just incredible. It looked really, really cool. Yeah. So Hats off to you uh, folks who are listening in India. Well done. Looking forward to the one next year. Doubt I'll be able to make it, but hey, you never know, right? You never know. So never know. good job. Good job, everybody there. Okay, we are on to packages and developer tools. Go ahead, Mr. Dorinda, kick it off for All us. Right. First up here is one that I'm quite excited about, and we've spoken about this mm-hmm. on the show previously. Saloon version 2. Uh, has been released. It's been rebuilt from the ground up. It provides faster concurrency, retries, HTTP client agnostic design, solo requests, and more. Now, one thing that may have upset people before, maybe, is is the namespace of this thing was like Sammy Joe 20 or something like that because when Sam built this, obviously, he he was not expending, uh, expecting the, the kind of uptake that it got. So um, there's namespace changes, Things that are like saloon request have been changed to saloon slash request. Guzzle has been decoupled from the package itself. So if you want to swap in another PSR compliant client, you can do that. There's an improved developer experience, a connector first design, a new middleware pipeline, request concurrency and pooling, better interface adoption, improved interaction with request headers, query params, config, heaps. I'm not going to read it all because there's heaps. One thing you might find particularly useful about this new version is solo requests, which are perfect for APIs, which you might make one request to the API. Typically, you need to define a connector to make requests. So you'd have a connector and then you create a request object and then you'd hit one endpoint. And so you'd end up with these two files to, to make these requests. Um, th- this is like, you know, you might have an endpoint where you need to go and do exactly one thing. We've got like a, uh, in Australia, we've got this the Australian business register, which is where you have like your business numbers. Like you, you'd have okay, a sure. similar concept mm-hmm. over there. Um, yeah. But like yeah, we yeah. integrate with that and they have an API that does other stuff, but we only ever want to be able to look up the a- ABN. Right, so sending a solo request means that we can self-contain all of that logic in one place. Um, you can specify the method, you can specify a, a resolve endpoint method, and you can make a request all in one place. And so you just do whatever that solo request is. In the in the example here, we've got get Pokemon request. So you'd say get Pokemon request colon colon make arrow send, 
and it's all done in one place. You don't have to go and create the connector and all of that separately. So that's that's really nice little um, developer experience improvement. Pagination is another new feature that makes it easy to iterate through hundreds of pages without having to write any boilerplate code. Um, so you can, you know, if you're going to Spotify and you want to paginate through all of your liked songs, you can do that really easy. The paginator will return a collection that you can map over. But there's heaps. There's heaps of stuff in here. Maybe we'll we'll get Sam and uh, have a chat with him about this at some stage. But um, to see everything that's new in version 2, you can check out the What's New in V2 page in the official documentation. Congratulations to Sam Kare and all the contributors that have worked on Saloon. I've just been like messaging privately and getting him to fix things for me. And he's been very accommodating <laughs> most of the time. Like sometimes he's like, hey, I'm busy, right? But he's been he's been wonderful. The package is wonderful and I've I've been using it heaps. Like we're converting all of our stuff. Like the HTTP client is nice, but you have to redo the HTTP, like all of that stuff every time you want to do something different. Like if you want to hit a different endpoint, you've got to do another HTTP call. Whereas this kind of allows you to group it all together, package it all up and deal with it in a, in a central way. And consistently, whether you're, you know, where you're looking at Pokemon or you're looking at business numbers or whatever else, you've always got a connector. You've always got a request and you can also automatically handle like returning that as a DTO. And so you've got like this consistent architecture for making all of your HTTP requests to external services. So so kudos to Sam and and the contributors there. Love this package and I will be on version two very soon, I promise. What is the, uh, what's the testing story for this? I have looked at it before. I just don't know off the top of my head what it is. And I know I've talked to him about it before too. So it it has fakes in a very similar vein to what um, the HTTP client does. So you have like saloon colon colon fake, and then you pass it an array of mock responses. So you can mock whatever you want, and it'll it'll like quote make those requests and return them. So we've we've done this for one of our integrations. Basically, we have to send a request to an endpoint in our in a lender API, and then we have to poll it every half a second right, for 60 seconds. And after 60 seconds, we have to terminate. So we can say like, send the request, get um, fake the pending result response. And when we do that, so we do this in a tap. So we can say tap, return this thing, but also advance time five seconds so that we don't actually have to run this mm. test for 60 seconds, okay? So we go like, return the pending result, advance five seconds, return the pending result, advance 50 seconds or 55 seconds. So we're now at 60. Now do it once more and return the success. So this way we can test our logic of retrying for 60 seconds, knowing that it's going to do what we need it to do, but then also like get to 61 seconds and make sure that we throw an exception. So the testing story is really nice in terms of faking it. You can use fixtures. I think there's, it was recently added in version one. Sam was telling me about this. There's like a, the ability to record a fixture. So the first time, we, we've talked about sparsity snapshot assertions before. So the yeah, first exactly. time you mm-hmm. make the request, it will hit the API. It will then save that response. And then all the subsequent requests will just return that fixture. And you'll commit that to your to your code base and send it up to, to Git. And so you've always got this like known good state. And if you ever need to like refresh it, you can do that, get the new response and so if they ever change anything in the API, you know, these things get out of sync because vendors change their APIs and whatnot. You can do that really easy. And it's all self-contained within the same testing story without having to reach to external things. So it's very nice. If you if you have to integrate with third-party APIs, check out Saloon. 
you might be disappointed. Nice. And the only the only thing that that leaves me with a question about, and this is the same thing I've had people give me questions about, or maybe not that I've had people give me questions about, but the same question I've asked to like, um, oh man, I cannot remember names tonight for some reason. Are you, are you mean on. transporter? No. The Steve McDougall? Nope. No? Nope. Not, not transporter. Nope. Please hold. Luke Downing. Uh, for his soap package. Right. Okay. That he has. Yep. Um, yeah. So like, you know, same thing. He does soap fake and that's great. It works wonderful in unit tests. But like when it comes to dusk tests, you can't really do that. So you're sort of like, you have to, you have to load up. You either have to have like a service provider. So the way that Luke has talked about doing it is like, if you have a service provider that only runs when you're in like dusk tests or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then what he does is he basically has uh, in that service provider, he will do like soap fake. When you hit this end point, return this fake fixture. And then soap fake. So he basically loads up a bunch of soap fakes. You know what I mean? And then essentially just fakes out like in a service provider what he would want those responses to be, which is interesting. The other option that I've done is to basically, you know, just basically have like a um, have a fake implementation of the client, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a couple of ways you could do that. I I don't know. I have I haven't come up with an incredibly great way to do that. If if you have a sandbox API, that's that works great. Like if you have like a actual like you know, like Stripe has its test yeah. sandbox sort of stuff. Yeah. You can just hit the real thing, no problem. But like if you don't have that, then you end up with like, eh, how do I set this up? How do I do this? Yeah. So you just kind of be a little bit more. Yeah. So about it, I guess. we're we're fortunate that our lenders have actual. UAT like test sandbox environments that we can hit to get the fixture data. Um, but, but but we actually have two sets of tests. One, which is the fakes, which is testing our code to make sure that like all of our edge cases are covered for and we handle all the different responses that we might get back in the appropriate ways. But then we have sure. a separate mm-hmm. set of tests yeah. that actually go and hit the APIs as well. Um, yeah, what I'm saying is like dusk tests like or in like a QA testing. Are those hitting the real things? Mm-hmm. Or don't you have dusk tests maybe? We or, we don't have dust tests because we're all API, but there's there's no reason that like in your base dust test case you can't fake those things out. Or we have some of our stuff is still using Guzzle, and we have a trait that's called like mox Guzzle, and then we just have a mock Guzzle method that accepts like an endpoint and an array of like responses. So we know that in through the duration of this request, it's going to make three requests. So we will just fake three responses in that test, and that way we know like within the context of that test what is going to happen. That gotcha. yes, we are going to sure, fake the responses in that dusk test. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I think that's fair. And that's actually a good way to do it too, because you're co-locating the request response stuff. Right. It's all part of the, of the arranged set. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes good sense. Actually, I like that. If you hide it away in a service yeah. provider, you kind of forget about it. Like, where is this to find? Like, why is this yeah, not hitting yeah, the API? Exactly. You know, why is the response not changing? All that kind of stuff. Whereas if it's at the top of your test as part of the arranged step then you know, okay, here here is the place that I need to go if I need to update the responses that are coming back. Yep. No, that makes good sense. Makes really good sense. I like it. Well, hey, folks, after that little departure here, we've got another package, which is Banhammer. Banhammer for Laravel offers a simple way to ban any model by ID or IP. It also allows blocking requests by IP address. Uh, sorry, let me make sure I'm reading this correctly. Ban any model by ID and IP or just by IP, I think is what it's saying. 
Uh, so once your application bans a user, you can use the provided middleware to prevent banned users from accessing certain parts of your application. So, you know, I remember we had a situation like this where we had made a game that we were going to let people uh, play internally. And what we had found is that we had people who would go through, there was this random 20 set of, it was basically, we, it's this application called Face Cards. And we have like three remote offices now, uh, plus a bunch of remotes that just work out of their homes. And so if we wanted to get to know people's faces, everybody has their company picture that they take and that we take and, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, then we associate their names with them. And then we select a random 20 people from the company. All the people who have birthdays or anniversaries, anybody who's a new and new hire, and then anybody who's just like a low proficiency score, like people don't know who this person is. We assemble 20 of those people, and then we play a game each day. Whoever plays, they get to you know rank in the number of people that have played for that day. So what this person would do is they would go through all they would go through all 20 and they just wouldn't put their answer in on the last one. And so they'd memorize the order of the <laughs> answers. And then they would quit the game and then they'd go start over and then they would do all the answers really fast because they already knew. It was like answer one, answer two, answer one, <laughs> answer three, answer one, answer four, answer two, answer four, answer three, answer two, whatever that, right? So we caught on because this guy was like answering them way faster than it was even possible to do. And so in that case, you need something like this, Banhammer, right? I had to build it manually. But Banhammer, all you'd have to do in that case is you just have to say class user extends authenticatable and then use bannable now all you'd have to do in that case is say user uh dollar sign user arrow ban and that's it right so you just just ban them you can also say user ban and then pass in an ip so if they're refer if they're if they're coming in from this ip address go ahead and ban that location so you could say don't don't ban that user altogether only if there's like if there's like a unknown hey somebody tried to access your username from this ip Mm-hmm. Do you know who this was? No. Ban them. Ban that IP address. Don't allow them to come in, right? You also have uh, dollar sign model bans, which will list all bans for you. You can check a ban status on a model that has that bannable trait. And you can also unban a model by just calling user unban or model arrow unban, whatever. It also supports banning IP addresses directly. So it has a IP model class, banhammer slash IP and then you can just say IP colon colon ban and then pass in the IP address or an array of IP addresses. But the other nice thing that's really cool about this is you can expire a ban. So you could say, oh, you have, you know, I don't know, you cheated again. I'm going to ban you for two days, right? And then it will automatically unban them via the scheduler. So this package provides utility methods to clear all bans across the application, including manually unbanning expired ones if you need to clean up expired bans programmatically. So this is a cool one. If you find yourself needing to do that, you can check out Banhammer on GitHub at github.com slash mchev, M-C-H-E-V slash Banhammer. Nice. Nicely done. Excellent. Uh, next up, for those of you who do not use Laravel Nova, Chartello is a package to visualize your Laravel app data in simple dashboards. You can create multiple dashboards to break up charts. For example, you could have a sales dashboard and a support dashboard. And on the dashboards, you can create two different kinds of panels, either trend charts or tables, and then populate the charts using a simple query, which we have an example of in the show notes. You can use placeholders, which means your your dashboards will be automatically adjusted based on the selected date ranges that you provide in trend-based charts. And table charts are more flexible as they can virtually accept any select combination of data and list the columns in that table. The package also comes with a middleware to limit access to dashboards and you can configure authorization of the Chartello dashboard based on any custom logic you'd like. 
this is really nice. You know, if you're wanting to put a little dashboard together, either with tabular data or like a, a history of, you know, trending signups or users on your platform or whatever, quick and easy way to get up and running. And looks as though it's built using Tailwind. So we love, love Tailwind, of course. But we'll have links to all of that in the show notes for you. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm looking at it right now. I've oh, I've needed something like this. The only thing that is missing that I wish I had is I wish I had a way to just say dump this into an Excel sheet. If I had that, I would be a happy camper. It's okay though. I mean, it's got it's got all the other stuff, right? I'm not yeah. sure you could probably hey, you know what? The nice thing is it's open source. So go pull request it, dummy. So that's what I'm telling myself right now, right? That's what I'm telling myself. And I mean, I guess the the real answer on this too is that if I did it and this person didn't have unit tests, there'd be a possibility that I'm going to mess up their code, right? So we have unit tests because let's face it, your code's going to have errors, even code written by an amazing developer such as yourself. And when those errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. You knew we were going to slip it in here somewhere, folks. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, check-in monitoring, fail job monitoring, all that amazing stuff into one easy to use platform. Honey Badger sends you alerts with real time. Uh, sorry, sends you alerts in real time with all the context that you need to see where the error is happening so that you can fix it, get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when those external services that you rely on are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. So go to honeybadger.io. Star Josh and Ben have created a 100% bootstrapped monitoring solution. Why is that important? You might ask yourself. Because they're self-funded, they don't answer to the you know venture capital overlords and have to bend their programming, their their uh, platform to the whims of some venture capital overlords. Instead, they only answer to you, the developer, so they can work on amazing features that you're going to enjoy. So check them out, HoneyBadger.io. Thanks again for sponsoring the show, folks. We appreciate you. All right, back to the show. Brilliant. Tutorial time. Tutorial time. This first one piqued my interest. How many? Do you know how many routes you have in your application? In like your Ooh, main app, get ballpark. How many routes no. do you have? I wish you know what I wish I had a main app. I don't. You don't. We have like thirty apps. No, isn't that crazy? Is that, that crazy is to you? It is wild that you have it to is like wild. maintain all of those because things. because here's let me t- let me tell you. And I'm sorry, I know I'm going on a rant here. The business that I work for, our main thing is not an app. We are not selling an app, right? We, we do not have a software as a service deal that we are selling to clients. We do a we do work for our clients and then I build tools for our internal teams to make their life better. Mm-hmm. So as a result, we have a bunch of unrelated apps that have really not much to do with each other, although sometimes they do happen to talk to each other. And so we literally just have a bunch of different apps, a bunch of different code bases, completely different solutions for completely different departments for completely different problems. So yes, lots of different apps. I don't have one app, but if right. I had to guess my largest app, how many there are, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. Hundreds? Could I Hundreds? So I, I could, maybe. this, this I piqued know. my interest and it's, and it's relevant because this we have enough routes that I think it's actually causing problems in our, in our application test. So this, this tutorial is managing routes in a large Laravel application. And when I think large, typically, I would think, you know, hundreds of routes, four, five, six hundred. I, I, I checked in our main app how many routes we have. Do you want to guess? Do you want to ballpark guess how many? Ooh, I'm going to say 245. No more? Double? No more? Our no current, way. Our current, six, our current 600. 
our current master branch has 15,918 <laughs> no routes. That is ridiculous. 15,908 routes. Holy crap. Now, my best. That is insanity. My best guess is that we maybe use 200 of them. And at some point in the future, I'm going to go through and we're going to whittle this down because that seems like a lot. Now, I'm going to caveat that, like it's a lot. I'm going to caveat that with the fact that we use a package for JSON API and it will like stitch together a lot of routes for a lot of our endpoints. Sure. So we'll we'll get lots of extra things and sense. like related, yeah, yeah. all of the relationships are kind of like, it. Look, it's not done in They're the automatically best way. generated. They're automatically you, right? generated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still. It's a lot of routes. But this this tutorial talks about managing routes in large library. If you've ever looked in your route service provider, there's like a map web routes and a map API routes method. And within that, you can see that it does like this little wrapping thing where it goes like route, middleware, arrow, group, and then it passes a path to a routes file. And you can do this for any of your own routes. You can create... All of, like you can group together all of your business logic. You could have a catalog. You can do the same thing. You can create your own folder structure that houses all of these things. And if you want to know where all the delivery routes are, you would go to the deliveries file and so on and so forth. So it's an interesting approach. Certainly doesn't work in my specific scenario, but if you've ever opened up your routes file and kind of gone, there's a lot happening here, then this is potentially a nicer approach. So I'll leave that with you to read. Next up, we have five underrated filament features. For those of you who don't know, filament is an open source, powerful group of packages to help build out common functionality in tall stack applications to build up like an admin panel. So it's like an open source version of Nova, but instead of being built with inertia, it's built on the tall stack. So Tailwind, Alpine, Laravel, and Livewire. So check that out. There are five things here that Alex, Alex Six from Kirschbaum has spoken about. Simple chart generation, real-time notifications, native global search. It's not just an admin panel, so learn more about that here. Um, and also custom pages. So a little bit, little bit, um, a different philosophy to what Nova is, but certainly a very powerful tool. Um, and and it's open source and it's free. So check that one out. Laravel CI continuous integration with GitHub Actions. Um, now that we're on GitHub, it's nice that we've got this. Um, although every now and then we find that we'll just have like one of our tests that just runs for three hours and then fails. It's just every now and then, just to keep us on our toes. And we hit retry and off it goes again. Um, but <laughs> yep, this, exactly. this talks about um, getting all this set up and running for you. The Laravel, I'll see if I remember to put the link in the show notes. The Laravel organization has like a GitHub. I think it's like github.com slash Laravel slash dot GitHub or something. And they use these everywhere throughout all of the repositories to set up all of their testing and CI stuff in there. So you can check that out as well. Um, and the last one is using Takeout with local valet and Docker sites. So Takeout is a project from Titan. And it is a, basically it's a, a command line application that allows you to kind of spin up additional services in Docker containers that you need to use. So you can spin up um, ReDB, you can use Redis, you can spin up uh, Miller Search, Elasticsearch, Memcached, whatever that supports a whole bunch of different services. So this is a, a tutorial, very short one from Eric, uh, just to talk about how you might get that set up and how you can have like multiple things running 
especially even per app. So if you're running multiple apps, if you're doing the agency life or, or you're like Jake and you've got 30 miscellaneous apps and you want to isolate the database and Redis and you can have the multiple ones running, this is uh, the tutorial and possibly the uh, application for you. So check that out. Links to everything, as always, will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other nice thing about this as well, um, let's see. Do have projects that are old, need to work on or update. Might require old versions of PHP. I have other requirements that don't feel like adding to my computer. Okay, well, that's fair. That makes sense, I guess. I was going to say that, you know, I think with Valet, or at least with, yeah, is it with Valet? PHP. Valet. Yeah, it does allow you to do a site per site isolation. Per site, per site isolation and like, you know, you can do a per site PHP version, mm-hmm. but it doesn't do what he's talking about, which is like, if you don't want to install Melee Search on your machine, you could just install right. it in the Docker or, you know, have it, yeah. in, have it in the Docker container, all that stuff, right? All that, that's all good. Which, by the way, I got to say, Melee Search, we've been using it a lot and yeah. I'm going to be switching all of our Algolia stuff all to over to Melee Search I love the Algolia instant search view components, but you can use them with Melee Search. And so it works pretty dang good. And it's free and all that good stuff. Sorry, Algolia. I love you. You're amazing. But Melee Search is great. Hey, episode 186 is what you're listening to. You can find our show notes for this at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 186. Rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Four and a half stars or four. Don't care. It's been a while since we've had a review. If you would review it, that'd be really, really awesome. All the folks who are out there listening to it, just just do it. Just go take a quick second, rate it up, leave us a comment. If you leave us a comment and I happen to see it, I will say your name. I will shout you out on the show. Say thank you to everybody who does so. And then, of course, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, at Michael Derrida, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. We appreciate you all. And uh, we will hope to see you again in two weeks. See you, everybody. Bye.